Hey, you're listening to The 100 Day Project Podcast. The 100 Day Project is a free global art movement. Every spring, thousands of people all around the world commit to 100 days of exploring their creativity and sharing their process online. Find out more at the100dayproject.org. Hi, and welcome to the 100 Day Project podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Jean Thompson, and our guest today is Wendy Chen. Wendy makes art that activates space, elevates the vernacular, and investigates the line. She is best known for her 2016 work, The Year of Knots, in which she learned a new knot every day for a year. Her work ranges in size from a knot that can fit in the palm of a child's hand to majestic room-sized installations that are sought after by private collectors. I have seen these. They are majestic. (laughs) Following long careers at Apple and in the music industry, she launched her studio in 2015. Her work has been covered by Wired, The New York Times, and Martha Stewart. In 2017, Facebook acquired an edition of The Year of Knots. That's pretty cool. And Wendy's book about her work will be published by Abrams in 2019. Hi, Wendy. Welcome. Hi, Lindsay. I'm happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for coming on to share. So, you know, the 100-day project is 100 days, as the name suggests, but you did not just 100 days, you did a whole 365 days. (laughs) Yep. That's a commitment. Yeah, but when I thought of the idea, which was on January 4th in 2016, Mm -hmm. I I kind of had a light bulb moment. I literally had one of those light bulb over the head um, epiphanies where the idea just kind of came fully formed to me. And I knew that, you know, knots are like these little things that we use to tie our shoes. So I figured that learning one new one every day wouldn't be so huge that I couldn't do it. I kind of figured I I could probably do it in a year because maybe it would only take five minutes a day or 10 minutes, you know, at most half an hour. Yeah. I love that because I think a lot of times people spend for the 100 Day Project spend like sometimes weeks or even months thinking about what it is that they're going to do. And to some degree, like, you know, the idea either feels right or it doesn't. Yeah, that's definitely true. Like if and I and I also feel like the idea is probably close to you already. It's yeah. probably something that you're already doing so that it doesn't feel too gigantic or monumental. Like there should be some unknowns in your project, but some of them should be knowns. Like you should know a little bit about what you're getting into or, you know, what you might start off with for the first month. That's such a good point. So like if you have you know, maybe never done something before embarking on a long commitment might be too big of a commitment to start with. Yeah. Like, like, you know, I always use the example of, you know, that movie, Julie and Julia, where the, um, the woman in New York decided to make every recipe from the Julia child cookbook. And this woman was someone who was already cooking every night and, you know, like knew her way around a kitchen and probably had most of the normal kitchen tools. So the idea of her project was already close to her. Yeah, it was already within her kind of realm of of lifestyle and possibility. Yeah, it just knocked it up a level. It just kind of like turned the fire on under her butt just a little bit enough to, you know, help her to achieve really great things. And so when my idea occurred to me, I was like, yeah, this is something I could do. And I didn't really think too much about what would happen at the end of the year. I just knew that um, I was going to get to learn something new every day. And I'm one of those people that loves being in a learning phase. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really exciting for me. And so in what way was this already close to you or in your wheelhouse? 
Yeah. So I quit my corporate job in 2013. And then I am embarked on a year, 18 months or so of kind of creative exploration where I took classes and anything that I was interested in, but had never really done before, like ceramics and, you know, interior design and lighting and just a lot of different, like kind of hand crafts. Mm-hmm. So, um, in that year I took a refresher macrame class because my mom had taught me macrame back in the seventies when it was really trendy. And, mm-hmm. but I didn't remember how to get started. So I took a, a refresher, like two hour class one Saturday afternoon. And within five minutes of the class, I was like, Oh, I remember how much I love the act of nodding, like it's really yeah. it's repetitive, but in a good way. And it's meditative and it feels really productive and um, your hands are busy and the things that you make are beautiful. So I just loved it. So I had been doing that for about a year, mm-hmm. um, just making like wa- macrame wall hangings that kind of look like everybody else's, you know, <laughs> like there's a lot of it going around right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had already made this pendant light that I now called the Helix Light. And that was kind of one of my first products that I made. I, I don't really make products anymore. I make art, but um, that mm-hmm. was one of the first things I did. So anyway, yeah, I was just already doing macrame. So I had some supplies and I already knew sort of how to work with my hands with rope. Yeah, you, I, I'm like kind of getting this like image of you like already having the rhythm of, of this thing inside of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was already kind of addicted to the rhythm. Like I just love the feeling of making tangible things with my hands, which was so different from the desk job that I had had previous to that. Yeah, totally. And you, so like I actually had already been following you on Instagram when you started this project because we actually met many years ago. And it was so fun to watch you. Like I got to the point where I was anticipating that Wendy would have a new knot every day. And not only did you have a new knot, each of them has a story or a history to them, which was really fascinating to think about or to learn more about. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that you were looking forward to it. You know, when I had the idea on that first day, I kind of thought, along with the idea of that I would learn one new knot every day, also in that same moment, I had the idea that I would post each one to social media each day just to keep myself accountable and as a record of it. And I figured that probably mm-hmm. other people would be interested too, because I'm one of those people that's interested. I love yeah. watching 100-day projects or um, you know, year-long projects. And you know, in the world of fine art and art history, there are many projects kind of around that kind of stuff. Um, so it's mm-hmm. not a new phenomenon. Um, so I love watching that stuff. So I figured other people probably would too. So the way that I shared the project was kind of built into the idea from the get-go. Yeah. And I, I like, I'm so glad that we're talking about this because when we talk to people who are doing the 100 Day Project, one of the biggest barriers is sharing every day. Am I going to annoy people? Will people enjoy watching this? Is this like a vanity project? Is this like people really have a lot of complicated feelings about sharing their work on a daily basis? But like, I'm a person who really enjoys seeing somebody's process. Oh, funny. That's, yeah, you know, I can understand people. I'm not one of the people that feels that way, but I can understand people feeling that way because I'm that way with, um, you know how like the young kids, like the generation that came after the millennials, the kids that are like teenagers now, how they uh-huh. post selfies, at, like pretty much it feels like every day and like their entire Instagram feed <laughs> are just selfies. And I'm always like, oh my God, how can you post pictures of yourself? For me, like posting pictures of the products of my work did yeah. not seem vain at all. And, and you know, I think that's probably sort of an age old, you know, uh, idea that 
has been lobbed at, at artists for years. Like, how dare you navel? All you're doing is navel gazing. And how is that useful to the world? But, you know, there are so many um, counter arguments out there for the value of art in the world. Um, yeah. And so I choose to sit on that side. <laughs> I mean, I'm with you. I totally agree. And it's something that I wish, or, and part of the reason why we want to do this podcast is it's something that I hope that people get more comfortable with. And really the only way to get more comfortable with it is to just do it. Well, yeah, that's definitely true. And you know, it doesn't, the work doesn't have to be perfect. Like there was one day during the year of knots where I tried and failed to make this really difficult knot. And finally I just threw up my hands and gave up. I was like, I can't do it. It's not going to happen today. So I just took a photograph of the horrible tangle and posted <laughs> that anyway. And I got so many like kind remarks about it. Um, people thought it was beautiful anyway. I mean, it's it, posting your own work and being really um, honest about it is very human. Mm-hmm. And we can all use a little more sort of shared humanity in the world. I totally agree, especially over social media, where it often looks like everybody's on vacation and <sighs> you know, just living their best life every single day. Yeah. I mean, if you're committing to a 100 days or 365 days, not all of that work is going to be you know, good, whatever good means. Certainly not perfect, but done is better than perfect. Sure. Yeah. And you know, no one gets to define what success is to, for your project and you, except for you. Like no one else gets to define that. So if I say I want to learn one new knot every day for a year and a couple of those ended up being tangles or fails, I still learned one new knot every day for a year. <laughs> I succeeded by my own rules because we should only ever make up our own rules. 100% agree. So what, is, uh, what does success as an artist mean to you? Well, I'm always kind of redefining that. I mean, I'm a pretty, I guess I would say I'm a pretty proactive person about my life. Mm -hmm. Like I'm omnivorous and I kind of want to experience all that life has to offer. I I didn't go to art school. So in the, in the, in the, in terms of my art practice now, I'm kind of always discovering like what the right next step might be for me. Like, I don't really understand how the art world necessarily works. And of course, Mm -hmm. those rules are getting broken every day. You know, the gallery system is like changing and, you know, the way that we buy art now is changing. And so that Mm -hmm. whole thing anyway. So that being said, I'm still making up my own rules, but, um, you know, for me, one of the, um, first markers for that, you know, that I had set up for myself was I wanted to make a living doing it. You know, I, that was my Mm -hmm. goal. Like I, I wanted to take it seriously. And that meant like giving everything I had to it and giving the work every chance to succeed and, um, and hopefully not ever having to have another boss again (laughs) or another job. And so I achieved that a couple of years ago. And so that was kind of an early milestone for me that felt so good to achieve that. And then the, sort of the goals, the goalposts kind of keep changing in a good way. So like, for example, this year, I wanted to start um, learning the world of public art, which is publicly funded art funded by cities and counties and governments. Um, And this morning, I just heard that I'm on the shortlist for um, a public art grant at a national park. So I'm I was like, wow, maybe this could be the year that that happens. And, you know, I just got chills. Oh, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Who knows if it'll happen, but it's nice to be on that shortlist. And then, you know, this year was also one of my goals was I wanted to make work that would be seen internationally that would be going to another country. And um, actually, today, I'm starting on that project where my work is going to go to Europe. So that feels good, too. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we were kind of talking before before I hit record about how one of the things that happens when you embark on a project like this where, you know, the project is really just the commitment. You might have ideas about where it's going to go, but you really have no idea. No idea. 
None. Yeah. And you don't have to set that up because how can you know what it's going to look like at the end of the year? Like, you know, that old cliche, it's not a cliche, but that old um, quote that we often hear a lot from Joseph Campbell about if you just follow your bliss, then doors will mm-hmm. open where you had no idea those doors were. And that's what happened during the year of knots. You know, I would just learn one new knot every day. And it was just me just kind of self-educating every day from my old sailor's books. And during that year, so many great things happened, you know. Um, But the main thing was that I was able to start looking at my work as art and not making products. And that was a huge thing for me. Like I started to take myself seriously as an art maker. So that was huge. But so many other kinds of doors open. Like I started getting calls from architects and interior designers to come in and design a space or make a wall sized piece out of rope. I mean, and you know, I'm like talking like 25 feet long kind of walls. Well, even though I was making these tiny little knots every day that could fit in the palm of your hand, I was starting to build trust in potential, you know, clients um, and galleries that I could be making this larger stuff because I was just becoming fluent in this chosen language of mine. And how do you think, do you think it was just the act of showing up every day? I say just, like that's a small <laughs> thing, but um, do you think it was the act of showing up every day that that made that transition from product to art? Or can you talk a little bit more about how that happened for you? Yeah, yeah. So like I said, previous to when I was doing, um, when I started the year of knots, I had this product, I had this really great light and I was um, a wood carver as well. So I was carving, again, functional objects. I was carving wood spoons. And I didn't really think of my my work as being art. And I didn't even know if I was allowed to think about it that way or allowed to think of myself as an artist. And I didn't know what that meant or what that was supposed to look like as if there is a supposed to, you know? So I (laughs) didn't really know. But by the end of the year, I had built so much confidence in this, in the language of knots. So what happened was about like a month or two into making the year of knots where I would learn one every day, take a picture of it. And then I would just kind of like nail it to the wall in my living room. About a month into that, there were like 30 knots on the wall. And I looked at them and I had kind of clustered them like they were like a growing amoeba kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I realized that they looked really good on the wall. And I was like, oh, this, like <laughs> after six months, this is going to take up my whole wall. And by the end of the year, it's going to be a huge single piece of art. And I hadn't thought about them being a single piece of art. I just thought of them as 366 individual objects of learning. But when I saw them on the wall, I was like, oh, this is going to be a single work of art. And that was kind of a, um, that kind of blew my mind when I had that realization. Yeah, I love that so much. And so now that's at Facebook, Facebook acquired that. Well, after the year of knots was over, I got um, a lot of like publications picked it up, picked up the story of it, and people started hearing about my work in that way. Mm-hmm. And so Facebook got in touch with me to uh, and asked me to propose a work for one of their campuses. And the Facebook is, I don't, you know, think what you want about their privacy issues and stuff, but they're super <laughs> supportive of artists. Like they, and they yeah. have a great reputation in the world for doing that on their campuses around the world. Like they pay artists give them a lot of freedom and pay them well, that whole thing. Anyway, so I proposed to them several different things for this 30 foot long wall and they chose the year of knots. And at the time, you know, I had, I didn't want to give up my original. So Mm -hmm. I remade them all for, for Facebook. And it took me like a month and a half to make them all like around the clock. Um, wow. And in some cases I had to learn them again because nobody yeah, I was about to ask that. Not. So yeah. 
Um, so they have what's called the first edition and I have what's called the artist proof in my studio and I'll never get rid of that, but I'm very open to making, um, new editions. And in fact, a, a healthy portion of the work that I make now are, uh, versions of the year of knots. Like a client will come and say, Oh, I have a wall that's like five feet by five feet, pretty small. Um, mm-hmm. how many knots can you fit on it? Can you make a piece for that area? And I'll say, yeah, I'll choose all my favorite ones. <laughs> Yeah. And so you had a lot of great outcomes, from, like really great outcomes from this project. So uh, commissions and a book. Let's talk more about this book. Yeah, that came um, soon after the Year of Knots was completed. And I think that, um, you know, several publishers heard, had heard about me um, kind of through the great press that I got. Mm-hmm. So I had a number of publishers offer to do books. And so I don't know anything about the book world. So I asked a friend who's in that world and she introduced me to my agent and my agent kind of took me by the hand and said, here's how we'll do it. We'll do it right. And so my publisher is in New York. It's Abrams and the book comes out, um, September 17th, 2019. And you can pre-order it now. Yeah. I just noticed that it's available on Amazon and, um, even on iBooks too. Wow. Yeah. So what's the, what's the title of the book? It's called The Year of Knots. And um, I wrote the book to answer the questions that I get asked the most. So of mm. course, people want to learn how to tie a knot or two when they see my work. And so there are like 20 tutorials in there for some basic knots and some complicated ones. But the other half of the book answers the, the other question that I get asked the most, which is how did you become an artist? All the stuff that you and I are talking about today, Lindsay, like, mm-hmm. how did you become an artist? What does that look like? How did you quit your job? Like, I have a whole chapter on how I quit my job and gave myself permission to do this because that's like a hurdle for a lot of people. It can be really scary. Yeah, it absolutely is. You also said that you talk a lot about how to pick a good project, which is, I think, very relevant to the people who do the project or who might be listening to this podcast who have not done a project but are, are listening because you're curious or thinking about doing a project. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote a whole section in the book about what your project might be for someone who also wants to get their hands busy. Um, and you and I have talked about a couple of the um, pieces of advice. Again, from my perspective, this might be different for other people, but you and I have already talked about how the idea is probably close to you already. It might be something you already do or know how to do the basics of. Mm -hmm. And then we also talked about my number one piece of, of advice, which is you should set learning as your goal. Like I wouldn't, I would never have finished the year of knots if I had said, I'm going to make hundreds (laughs) hundreds <laughs> of knots and they're going to look great on a wall at the end of the year because there's no way I could have known that, that it was going to look good or that it would be anything. Um, my entire goal from day one was just to learn one new knot every day to learn. And it's kind of like learning a language, you know, like if you're going to learn French, mm-hmm. maybe you'll learn a word every day. And by the end of the year, you can converse. So yeah. it was about attaining fluency in a language. And so learning, I think is my number one piece of advice. I feel like I've seen you know, projects, long-term projects like 100-day projects or sort of, you know, time-based projects on Instagram and such kind of falter, you know, halfway through or, and I, for me, I always think like, oh, that person wasn't, they weren't learning anything. You know, they were just Mm -hmm. challenging them to do like this cool single activity every day, but they weren't learning anything from it. And instead what they were doing was expecting themselves to like paint the Mona Lisa every day. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do a painting every day for a year, but then, you know, they would be like pushing themselves to like do these like complicated, hard things or come up with a new idea of what to paint every day. And that's hard. Yeah. Or do something they already know how to do, which isn't that 
challenging. Isn't that challenging? Yeah. yeah. And then what you're risking is boredom. And like for yeah. me, boredom is like the worst thing possible that can possibly happen to anyone or especially to an artist is to get bored by your work. Oh my God. So, yeah. you know, I chose something where I already knew that because I had all these sailors knotting books that I've been collecting since I was a kid. Um, I already knew that there were thousands of knots in the world. So I knew that I would never get bored and I would never have <laughs> lack of material. So I never had that feeling in the morning of like, oh my God, what am I going to do today? I always knew that I could just like open up a book literally randomly and, and find new material and something new to learn. Yeah. Uh, Michael Beirut, who started the 100 Day Project, talks about having a generative project. So removing the barrier of having to choose something really helps a lot. Wow. That is a great concept. That's uh -huh. perfect. That's exactly it. And so I think that's like a really good prompt to think about. So if you're listening, like, what is something that you want to learn? Like, what are you just curious about? What are you excited about? Yeah. 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 What am I learning? What am I thinking about now? Well, you know, for me, I'm constantly... I'm driven by my own curiosity. So mm -hmm. usually when, if I, let's say one out of every 10 knots that I learn has like this palpable life to it where I just want to keep making it over and over again and maybe making it with larger diameter rope and playing with scale or playing with um, making it in series or figuring out what it looks like if it's suspended. So I have several bodies of work that are literally constructed around a single type of knot that I learned during the year of knots. So the that project has continued bearing fruit for me. So I'm often driven just by my literal curiosity about the knot and what what if, like what if I did this with it, then what would it look like? And then also I like to think about different materials. So when I talk about my work, I, I do talk about knots, but what's at the core of that is that I'm really interested in the notion of the line, which is one of the building block elements of art along with color and texture. So my work is not about color and it's not about texture. It's about the line and sort of the journey that a line takes from beginning to end and everything that cool that happens in the middle. So I think about like anything could be a line. You know, like a piece of Ethernet cable could be a line or a piece of wire. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, what I mostly use, which is like good old fashioned regular sailor's rope. I, I think that like the interesting thing, too, about a knot or a line is that it's it's like many small kind of movements or pieces can make up a much larger movement or piece. And when I think about your kind of larger work at scale, one of the things that I think you've done like really beautifully and masterfully is that you have taken this kind of like small thing that's really interesting and not just interesting like and sometimes like sometimes it's like functional too right these are yeah. sailors knots oh, they serve yeah. a purpose but then taking them at scale is just I feel like the effect for the viewer is this this thing that's like relatively simple seeming right like a like rope like, what can that be? What can that make? What can that like inspire in a person? Yeah, yeah, you're you're exactly <laughs> the things that you're saying are exactly what I hope for viewers of the work to think about and to feel when they see it, which is, you know, knots are these nine times out of 10, a knot is a functional object. There are some decorative knots, but you know, the vast majority of them are functional, mostly invented by sailors. So they're, they're functional and they're feats of engineering. And in some cases they're feats of like science and math, the, you know, there's, there's such a thing as a mathematical knot. That's a whole interesting mm -hmm. thing. But what I bring to that intersection of function and math is the aesthetics. And so if I can tie a humble knot that we've all seen a million times before, but the way that I do it, 
causes you to have a sense of wonder and awe mm-hmm. and to feel enlightened and delighted, then the point of my work will have been will have succeeded. Yeah, and that's so much like the point of the project, right? We're we're showing up every day to do whatever the thing that we're doing and the kind of like bigger thing there is paying attention. Like having a sense of wonder and experiencing the world in a way that maybe you don't when you're looking at your phone a lot or caught up in whatever happened yesterday or whatever's going to happen tomorrow, right? Yeah. I mean, it's very much about elevating sort of the everyday, which is another phrase I try to use a lot and keep in mind when I think about my work, which is, you know, you could, you know, do a new painting every morning and and if it's significant to you and it has literally elevated your morning or that hour that you took to do that, then that is so valuable. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, but if mm-hmm. you've done it, then then you've leveled up. You've climbed up one mm-hmm. stair step and then tomorrow will be easier. And the day after that will be even easier. So I think it's a great way to lift oneself up is to make um, what seems like a very small commitment that might not have any meaning to the rest of the world. And it shouldn't in the beginning. And then the project will, you know, the project and you will evolve over the course of that 100 days or that year. And yeah, it's, it's exciting to, to see what happens at the end. So we only have a couple of minutes left. And I'm wondering if there's just anything else that you would like to share for people who are either already doing the project or thinking about doing the project. What would you say to them? I would say that you should really choose the project carefully. And I know I'm repeating a little bit of what we've talked about earlier in this mm-hmm. podcast, but I would say really spend the time thinking about, because you'll know when it's the right project. Like if you think about it, really spend some time paying attention to how you feel about certain ideas or thinking about how the a particular project might fit in in a practical way into your life. Like it's not impossible to do, but oh, that fits kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If all of the kind of factors come together, you'll know that it's the right project because it'll feel right. And it, your brain will be delighted and your emotions will be delighted too. I love that. Thank you, Wendy. I'd love to close with a quote from Wendy's new book, The Year of Knots. If a knot is a complication in a length of line, perhaps life is similar, a journey filled with opportunity in the story we write for ourselves. So cheers to everybody who's out there making. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming to share your experience and to tell us more about the Year of Knots. Wendy's book comes out in September, but you can order it now. Again, it's called The Year of Knots. Yay. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Lindsay. What a fun conversation. I always enjoy speaking with you. I really, likewise. (laughs) Thank you so much, Wendy. Thank Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Lindsay Jean Thompson. This episode is sponsored by Going Graphic. If you're creative looking to grow your brand, Going Graphic is your answer. Whether you've been in business for years or are just getting started, Going Graphic can help you build your business while you get to focus on the stuff you love doing. Going Graphic specializes in logo design, print design, and marketing, including social media management, email marketing, blog posts, and more. For a free consultation, visit goinggraphic.com and mention the 100-day project. Freedom to be creative is here for you. Podcast produced by Adam Day, music by Peter Fenn. We have not one, but two guests next week, Robin Kanner and Adam J. Kurtz. <laughs> <laughs>